We are so glad you joined us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. We are in our final week of a Mastermind series. and um, One of the things that uh, I think we've been led to believe is that we have no control over the mind and the Bible says something completely different about that thought and uh, I, I, I put a disclaimer uh, in week number one that I'm not against um, physicians medication and things of that sort um, I'm just I, I just want you to understand that God's Word says something about us and says something about our thoughts and it doesn't have to be the first solution it is a solution, but God also gives us the capability to reason. The scriptures even tell us, come, let's reason together. Uh, God's speaking directly to us through the scriptures. And so as we've gone through this series, we've talked about two areas. Um, we talked about destroying strongholds. In order to do that, we have to identify them. So we've got to identify where our thoughts tend to wander. We've got to know what we're doing with our thoughts when they start to wander. Uh, and we've got to have a place that we... Uh, that we start to think those thoughts in a healthy spiritual way and uh, we got to have people that we trust to stretch those thoughts a little bit because if we if we don't do that then we're just left with our own thoughts and things don't really ever change when we sit in our little place and we never allow other people into our situations especially when it comes to our mind because out of all of that the mind is infiltrated the heart is captivated and the life starts to walk so if you're if you're not careful you don't have people you can find yourself in a very very dark place and then we have to have that purpose and I told you that purpose is always connected to people God's purpose in redeeming you and redeeming me is so that other people can be redeemed through you and through me and so no matter what we have going on in our life no matter what the thoughts are that keep plaguing us God still has a purpose to land those things on and last week we talked, uh, we talked last week about practicing some spiritual disciplines and how we can change our thoughts because if we're honest, uh, we don't need to believe everything that we think. We need to start replacing some of those thoughts with God's Word. Actually, to be honest, we need to replace all of our thoughts with God's Word so that every time we have something that comes up, we filter it through God's Word. And if God's Word says something different than what I'm thinking, it's not the Word that needs to change like the world tries to change it. It's me that needs to change my thinking to adjust to God's Word. And as believers, if we don't do that, then the world's never going to understand the hope that we truly claim. And so we get into this last week, and uh, I was putting, uh, uh, I kind of give you my process sometimes. I study a lot uh, early in the week. I spend two or three days, several hours over two or three days, and then I start writing. I don't really do like bullet points and stuff like that. Like I don't do a point and then say, okay, let's fill this in. I just start writing, and God kind of brings those things out as as we're writing and studying Scripture. And um, as I was as I was going through that process this week, I started to realize that this last message on experiencing the peace of God, you've already been given the tools to do it. Because God said, you've already preached two messages through my word, and you've shown the steps. So what happens is, is we don't experience peace because we keep going back to the thoughts. And so the question, the question that I left you with last week was, are you honoring God with your thought life? 
not sometimes, but with every thought that we have, are we honoring God with our thoughts? And when we ask that question, when we're thinking about something and we say no, then we have to repeat the process again. Lord, I repent. I put myself in a place where I know that the thoughts I'm having are not healthy. I know that they're causing me to fall and stumble into sin. Lord, cleanse me of that. Then we got to go back and we got to replace those thoughts with God's Word once again. And, and I found very clearly that experiencing God's peace is actually found in that process. So if you want to experience God's peace, we, we have this idea that peace is actually the absence of uh, of chaos. Peace is the absence of anything that obstructs our way. Peace is anything that is, it, it, we have this, you know what I mean, we have an intra inverted thought process when it comes to defining something. We always define this word with the opposite of whatever it is. And so we do that in our society and say, well, if we have peace, then everything is just peachy. And that's not what biblical peace looks like. Because we can't find that kind of peace. And, and in all due respect and in reality, if we try to find a peace that is an absence of anything, we've, we're missing the point. Because the only way to have an absence of anything is to put people off, to try to put thoughts off, and you bury yourself. In an, and, and listen, I'm an introvert myself. You bury yourself in your own little place. You keep to your, yourself. You don't invest in anybody. You stay away because you don't want to be hurt. I know, like I, I'm standing in front of you as somebody who planted a church for people who I knew at some point some of you gonna hurt me. <laughs> it's gonna happen, and there's gonna be moments where I hurt you. But you can't just you can't just detach, disconnect. You've got to take the thought captive. And so when we start to define what true peace is, this is what the biblical definition of peace. There's actually three of them that I found in the Bible. It says to be complete. To be sound, to tie together as a whole when all essential parts are joined together. So not only do we have our part to play in this, God's already told us He's going to play His part. And no matter what happens with our thought process, if we'll continue to, to play our part, trust God to play His part, we are guaranteed that in the middle of that we find peace. That no matter what's going on in the chaos of our lives and the chaos of our own minds, there can be peace. There can be a peace that the scripture says surpasses all of our understanding. And those of us that have experienced that peace in one form or another will understand what I'm saying when I say that. It doesn't mean that we've been made perfect. It doesn't mean that the issue stopped. It just means that we've, we've understood a completeness of what God's trying to accomplish through us for humanity. And so when we try to tie this thing together as a whole, that's what I want to do in this last message. And we jump in to Lamentations chapter 3 where this whole message series started and will end today. And it's in the middle of lamenting over the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And it's in the middle of complaining about the fact that it's destroyed and woe is me and, and, and it's never going to be able to go back. And you just have all of these thoughts and all of these issues and all these things that keep coming up. And then in the middle of Lamentations, in chapter 3, verses 19 through 22, there's like a pause that takes place. And the writer says, I remember my afflictions. And my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. You ever think about that word gall? I hadn't spent a lot of time on that, but 
you know, Gaul's present several times in Scripture. They actually, the sour wine they offered Jesus was called Gaul. So he tasted that same bitterness. It, it wasn't something that he can't identify with. On the cross, beaten, suffering for our, our sins, he's handed something that's, that's spoken about right here in the middle of this passage. It says, I well remember them all, and my soul is downcast within me. And a lot of us, we get to that point and we stop. But the scripture says, no, we've got to fight, we've got to claw, we've got to change our mind. It says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. These thoughts are not going to win. Because I'm not going to let them win. Because I've got a higher power and a higher authority and I've got a peace that can surpass all my understandings. It says, because his compassions never fail. And so when we talk about experiencing the peace of God, it's right there in the middle of it. It's right there in the middle of it. And I started to look through Scripture and I said, okay, well, well Lord, if that's the case, then where else can I find this? Like, show me in your word, God, where I can find peace in the middle of all this mess. And he led me to Isaiah. And I want to show you Isaiah chapter 30. This is a beautiful, beautiful passage. It says in Isaiah 30 verse 15, it says, For this... Uh, or thus, depending on what your translation is, the thee, thous, and thuses. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in repentance and rest you shall be saved. Another translation says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and in trust is your strength. But listen to that last little, that last little statement. He says, but you were unwilling and so as I, when, he led, when he led me into this passage, I said, well, what are, you, what are you talking about, Lord? Like, we've talked about repentance. He said, hey, look, right in the middle, Michael. In repentance and rest, here's your salvation. In quietness and trust, here's your strength. Right in the middle is your peace. Trust, quietness, repentance, rest, peace is found in the middle of it. He says, but most of us were unwilling. It's not that he's not offering it's that we're unwilling to truly experience His peace. So we, we sit here and we ask, like, how, how did I miss, how do I miss that? How do I miss God's peace? I want God's peace. I want to experience God's peace. And, and I, I just want to, like, I want to be real honest with you for a minute. We want peace, but we don't want to put legs behind it. Because in repentance and rest, that still, it still takes action to rest. Like you've still got to work for that rest. You've got to make the decision that you're going to take pointed times to rest. It's, it's got to happen. It doesn't happen naturally. Because we're people in a society that's go, 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 go all the time. We've got to chase the kids around. We've got work to do. We've got places to be. We've got people to entertain. We've got things that we want to do. We've got this. We've got that. we got this. And we look back and we go, crap, I'm 35 years old and I don't even know what I've done. But God says in repentance and rest, something that you have to. Repentance is, is something that you have to do. Repenting is not something that we just say, Oh Lord, forgive me for that sin. And then continue to do the same thing again. That's not repentance. Repentance literally means that we change our mind about something. Literal translation, change your mind. You know why it says change your mind? Because when you change your mind about something, you're eventually going to change your actions towards that something. 
And so repentance is changing my mind. Rest is making the mental decision that I'm going to turn it off. I'm not going to rest by watching a three-hour-long movie. I'm not going to rest while the kids are playing ball and I'm having to watch them play ball. That's not rest. That's still action. Resting is unplugging and just saying, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. And we all have to have it. I told you last week, you really need to start your day with it every single day. Even if it's just... Even if in infancy, if you're not used to doing it, spend five minutes. Get up five minutes earlier, sit down, and just be available for the Lord to speak to you. So I'm giving you this time, Lord. I know it's not much, but Lord, I'm trying. I'm going to intentionally give you this spot. And the Lord just simply says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you were unwilling. What are we unwilling? Here's the two things I want you to see today. Here's the two things I want you to see today. And this is a short message because I told you the process has already been laid out. We're unwilling because we, we have to get to a point where we realize that no matter what goes on in life, we're building altars. And, and I put it in those terms because throughout the Old Testament, there's always a stopping point where, we're, where we see the people of God building altars for different purposes. There were sin offerings. There were, there were just... Uh, there were fragrant offerings that were considered joy offerings. There were offerings for this and offerings for that. If somebody got married, there was an offering. If, if somebody died, there was an offering. Just offerings throughout the Old Testament. And what we do is that we are building altars to our thoughts in so many ways that we are, we're building these things up and that fragrance just stays in our nose. And so here's the first thing. We've got to stop building altars to our thoughts. If, if in the middle of repentance and rest and quietness and trust is our strength, then we're unwilling to not do something. That something is we've got to stop building altars. Now, if you're not familiar with building altars, there, there was a process that wasn't just set up. They had to actually go through work, build, put, put the material to burn, have the animal prepared for sacrifice. It's a whole process. And you go through a whole process every day when you keep hashing out the same thing over and over again. You keep reliving the same mental anguish that you're putting yourself in over and over again. It's doing the same thing. You're building the stone altar. And then when you get done with building the stone altar, you may say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stop right here. And, but you come back to it. The altar's still built because you didn't do anything to knock it down. Then you start putting the wood on the altar. No, I'm not gonna, I ain't going to set that thing on fire. I may have built it, and I may have put the brush in it so that it will burn, but I'm not going to light it. I'm not going to light it. And then you come back to it, and you set it on fire. And you keep burning that thing up over and over and over again. We have to make a clear decision to stop building altars to the thoughts. Isaiah 26 tells us that the, that the Lord says, Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps the faith. It says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. Another way is not just steadfast, but stayed. Whose mind is stuck in one place because he trusts in you. It's not stuck on all this stuff where we're constantly building this altar. We're, we're stuck on God's promises. We're stuck on God's commands. We're stuck in the middle of God's Word because we know that in His perfect Word we find His perfect peace and our minds are going to stay focused on that because we trust Him. In the middle, 
of repentance and rest and quietness and trust. It's all right there in Isaiah 26 too. It's just worded differently. Trust in the Lord. Not for right now. It's forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. So you've got to start changing your focus from sacrificing everything and everyone on the altar of your thoughts and start tearing them down. Because if we leave the altars built, we're going to come back and sacrifice on them. It's not just about not lighting the fire. It's about tearing the altar down. We've got to stop building altars to our thoughts. Can I show you what it looks like in the New Testament when this is full-blown? In James chapter 3, James writes, For where you have envy and selfish ambition. Let, let's just put it point-blank honest. If we keep rehearsing it, that's where we are. Like, let the Word of God speak to you, not Michael's voice. Because if we constantly are willing to leave that altar built and continue to rehash and rethink, we are in the middle of envy and selfish ambition. That's the altar. That, that's what we're burning up. It says, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Listen, I understand that people can be awful. I can be awful sometimes to people too. And I've had to go back many a times, even in the worst of moments, and say, look, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I don't want you to have to rehash and rehearse this over and over again. And we've got to be people that are willing to do that because if we don't, we find people, we're so in disorder and we're so in things into people's hearts and minds and that those evil practices simply come out of envy and selfish ambition it's not like people were born in a place where they just do evil like we're all born in sin but it doesn't manifest in evil ways we're trying our best and our own power to do things the right way it's just distorted because sin's made us stupid and so we get to a place where we're envious of what people have and we're envious because we can't stop this process. We're envious about this. We, then we get selfish because you don't understand my hurt. You don't understand the thoughts that I have. No, I don't understand yours. You don't understand mine either. And I know what God can do with mine. I know what God has done with mine. And I know every time the enemy tries to plan another one, it tries to take me there. So that there's disorder in my life. And so that I'll lash out at people. That's an evil practice. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. And then look, there's that word, peace. It's peace loving. Considerate. It's submissive. Full of mercy. And good fruit. Impartial and sincere. And then the last line says, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So we don't, we don't let that altar stand and continue to try to burn things on that altar that are no longer fruitful, valuable. They're not peace-loving. They're not considerate. They are not submissive to the authority of God. They're not full of mercy. There's nothing good about them, but sure does feel good when I think it sometimes. It'll leave me empty, but man, when I'm angry, it sure does feel good to be able to go back and light that fire again. So we've got to be people that tear down these Altars. Paul even talks about it in Philippians 4. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. You want to start tearing these things down? But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts. It doesn't stop there. It says, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, Present it to the Lord. It says the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard 
your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have to stop building altars to the thoughts that are killing us. And the second thing that we've got to do is we it says build, but we actually have to start stewarding His kingdom on His Word. I know we hear a lot about building the kingdom. We're not, we're not builders, we're stewards. We're stewards of material that God has given us. We're stewards of souls. We're stewards of resources. Kayla talked a little bit about finances and how the church operates with finances and things of that sort. It's got nothing to do with it belonging to us because it's not ours anyway. We're called to steward. So you can substitute start building with just start stewarding what God's given you. Start stewarding His kingdom. We're not builders, we're stewards. When God gives us material, we do something with it. We do something with it that's fruitful for the kingdom. When God brings people into our lives, we figure out what it is we're supposed to do to steward our words, our actions, and our deeds for His kingdom to be built here on earth. We're not going to build it, He's going to build it. Because if we, without Him, we can't build a kingdom. We're going to build our own kingdom. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to rot and it's going to fall because it's not going to be able to stand. Because the only kingdom that, is, that can stand the test of time, the test of trials that's coming, the test of, of all things that we see in God's Word is the kingdom that God builds. So I, I, I say that but, and people get confused because I thought we were supposed to be building the kingdom. We're supposed to be stewarding what God gives us. If there are people in our lives that don't know Jesus, we steward our testimony to give them the seed of the gospel. If people are hurting in our community and they need a financial relief, we steward finances. We don't, it's not us building. It's us stewarding. It's us taking what God's blessed us with and using it to build His kingdom. And so we have to be people that start stewarding the kingdom. And here's, here's, here's the promise that God made way back in Exodus. Way back in Exodus 14, He said, it says that the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So if we need only to be still, to trust, in quietness where our strength is found, it's, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because in order, I mean, I think about physical strength. In order to build physical strength, you can't do it being quiet, can you? Like you got to get in the gym and you got to get out and start working for that. So when we think strength, even spiritually, and somebody says you, you build that strength in quietness and trust, well, that doesn't make sense because we that's something you got to work for. No, it's not. It's something that's already given. We're fighting battles that we're not supposed to fight. We're fighting battles that we're going to lose because our strength is not found in fighting the battle. Even with spiritual weapons, our, our strength is found in quietness and trust. It's, it, it's, I know, everybody's like, well, what about putting on the armor of God? You do have to put on the armor of God. But do you realize that all of the armor of God is defensive? There's only one offensive weapon, and it's not a sword. It's the Word of God. And if you really want to go back and really look at it, the word that we're given is not so that we use it against somebody else. It's so that we constantly have it, so that we can keep speaking it, so that we can keep being fed by it. It says the Lord's going to fight for us. So that garbage that we've got to stand up and we've got to fight, we've got to get ready for that, it's not what the Bible actually teaches us. The battle that we have to face is we've got to keep beating our own demons. 
We've got to keep putting down the junk in our own life because we can't steward a kingdom that God's not going to trust us with. And it starts with us being willing to recognize that the Lord will fight our battles. We only need to be still in the strength that He's offered to us. And so as we, as we close this morning, uh, as, as God's continued to, to show me some things, I, I love the Old Testament. I know a lot of people are more New Testament oriented and like to stay there, but, uh, and that's fine. But I, I love the Old Testament. I love seeing the history. I love seeing the, the battles and love seeing how God just shows up in so many ways. And you can see that in different forms in the New Testament as well. But um, as I started to think about this definition of peace and what it means to, to tie together as a whole, <clears throat> what it means to have all of the essential parts being joined together. I, I, was, uh, I was reminded of what takes place in Judges. And if you go back to Judges chapter 6, you see Gideon. If you're not familiar with Gideon, I won't go through the whole story. But there's a point that comes up, and we can overlook it if we miss it. I think it's verse 24 of Judges chapter 6. It says that Gideon built an altar. <clears throat> But it wasn't just an altar to God. It says that he built it to, in the Old Testament terminology, would be Yahweh. But it was, it was not just Yahweh. In Hebrew, it was Yahweh Shalom. You ever heard that term, Shalom? Like we think it's just a, a Middle Eastern greeting. But the word literally is peace. Like every time you see it in the Old Testament, Shalom is peace. And so it says that Gideon in Judges 6.24 builds an altar to the Lord. But it's not just the Lord. It's the Lord is peace. Not of peace. The Lord is peace is the literal translation. So it was Yahweh Shalom. Gideon built an altar. For seven years, seven years Israel was under the oppressive rule of the Midianites in this process. And, and in the midst of all of the chaos and their unwillingness to follow God and do what God has said, Gideon comes out and says, I'm going to finally steward what I'm supposed to steward. I'm also, we're going to stop building these altars to junk that we don't need to build altars to. Now this is, a, this is physically completely different, but still so mentally the same for us. We're going to stop building these altars. And, and, and Gideon goes out and he builds the altar, and it says the Lord is peace. Now go into Isaiah chapter 9, uh, specifically verse 6, and you see the, the coming of the Christ. And you see Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. And you see in the middle of that prophecy, there's a name that's assigned to Jesus. And it's not just peace. It's not the Lord is peace. It's the Prince of Peace. And so you've got Gideon building an altar to the Lord not of peace, but is peace. You got Isaiah prophesying about the Prince of Peace in Isaiah chapter 9. And then you got Jesus that comes onto the scene, who is the Prince of Peace. And he says, I didn't come to bring peace. <laughs> he said, I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. I came to bring something that you were not expecting because you have defined things the wrong way. Because you've missed an essential part that hasn't been joined together. And so when we read that, we think Jesus is like this bad like warrior dude that's come to like to bust some heads. 
And we, we probably have even been taught that. We, we've looked at that scripture and a lot of people, if we're honest, they kind of want to like jump over that. But in the middle, in the middle of repentance and rest and quietness and trust, we found Jesus. So when we see this sword that's supposed to divide, it's just simply opening a way for us to really, truly experience peace. So it's been talked about throughout Scripture that peace is coming. Some 429 references to peace, and it's always in reference to God. You won't experience it without Him. And so the question is, the same question that I asked last week, are we honoring God with our thoughts? Are we truly seeking the peace of God? Are we just looking for some relief from our situation? Because if we're just looking for relief from our situation, we're not going to find peace there. Because we're still trying to work some things out. And God said, no, in between, in between repentance and rest and quietness and trust, you can find Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so this morning, my encouragement to you as we close this series out is there is no other place that you can go. There is no other way to find the peace that God is offering you except through Jesus. And I'll tell you the same way that I've told you many times before. If you don't believe me, put him to the test. Put him to the test. Don't trust me. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it and put him to the test. Trust him. Say, okay, God, I don't know anything else to do. I'm going to listen to this, this ignorant white boy that's been preaching on Sunday mornings and I'm going to do these things that he said do because your word says do them. And I, I'm not going to give you a guarantee. I'm just going to tell you that if you'll begin to put into practice the things that God has for you and for me, you can start experiencing what Galatians 5.22 says. If you're not familiar with Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, the third one in the list is peace. You start, you start with loving God and loving people. You find joy in what you're doing and peace will find you right in the middle. So if we want to experience true, lasting peace, stop believing the lie that you have no control over what comes into your mind and what comes out of it. Because the Lord says different. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, would like to connect with a pastor, or would like to support the ministry of Radiance, you can easily do so on our website at RadianceMacomb.com. We hope you have a blessed week.